Take your Bibles tonight, if you would, James chapter number 3, right near the end of the Bible, the book of James chapter number, make it chapter number 1, James chapter number 1. We've been looking at Wednesday nights, I know we had a bit of a break there during the Christmas year, but uh, we're looking at principles, and their principles are basic foundational things, the way that we operate, the way that we think, it's not as much doctrines as it is the policies that we operate by, James chapter number one, and so the very first week we looked at the fact that all of our principles come from the Bible. It might be a general guideline, it might be a specific command, but all of our principles come from the Word of God, and that's why we need to read it daily, daily, daily. Then we looked at the principle of separation. God wants us to separate from this world. We looked at the principle of always putting God first. We looked at the principle of consecration. You can be separated from the world. The Pharisees were that. But never yet be dedicated totally to God. That's consecration. We looked at the principle of Christian fellowship and the principle of heavenly affections. And last time we looked at the principle of authority. All of us have authority. And your willingness to submit to the authority that God has placed you under, God will bless you if you do. Say, preacher, what are we looking at today? Look there in James chapter 1. And I'd like to read verse 13, 14, and 15. If you'd follow as I read verse number 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. For every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You know, as we read that, there were four different times where it talked about tempted. So we're going to look tonight at the principle of temptation Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for each one that's here. Thank you, Lord, for the safety coming. We trust you for the safety going back. And Lord, we just pray that you'd help us tonight. We always pray for our children the other end of the building. Lord, you'd help our master club workers to instill God and the word of God into their young hearts. Lord, we pray as we continue to look at some principles Help us with this one tonight. Lord, we never get too old to need the instruction of God's word. Father, I pray you direct our minds tonight. Help us to understand that temptation will come. When it comes, what God says we should do, help us, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, four different times in verse 13 and 14, we find that word tempted. Preacher, what exactly does the word tempt mean? Well, the word temptation is primarily it means trying to get somebody to do something that's wrong and normally there's a reward offered for it. That's the normal definition of tempting. And you know the word tempt and temptation it's found 73 times in our Bible and so certainly it's something the Bible has much to say of. If I offered you $50 if you would break into a building and take something that's called a temptation. Again, temptation normally is trying to get somebody to do something they shouldn't. And normally there's a reward that's somehow involved in all of that. And so if you're taking notes tonight, again, we're looking at the principle of temptation. Look there again, if you would, in verse number 13. 
Let no man say when he is tempted. Notice it doesn't say there, let no man say if he is tempted. It's not an if. You know, every person that has walked this earth is tempted in some fashion or form. And so again, if you're taking notes tonight on the principle of temptation, we start with a definite reality of temptation. Every person is tempted. We know the very first couple that was placed on this earth, Adam and Eve, it wasn't long. We don't suppose that they were there until they were tempted. We know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he himself was tempted. And so if the first people were tempted, if the best person that's ever walked this earth, Jesus Christ, was tempted, you are going to be tempted, and I am going to be tempted. And you see, that's why, again, verse 13 doesn't say, let no man say, if he is tempted. It said, let no man say, when he is tempted. Do you know, as born-again Christians, we should never be surprised uh, when temptations come. They're just part of life, and yet how many of God's people scratch their heads and wonder, God, why did you let this happen to me? And why would this come in my way? Why would that be such a surprise? And maybe it's not so much a surprise at the fact of temptation, but sometimes the severity of it. Sometimes people say, well, preacher, I, I, just, I just couldn't overcome it, and I couldn't resist, and we're going to find in our passage that that's not true. So the fact remains that every man, every woman, every child is going to be tempted. And that's why we're saying the definite reality of temptation. You say, well, preacher, why should we expect temptations? And uh, if you would, keep your eye on James. Look there in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. Matthew chapter number 4 and verse 4. And this chapter records when Jesus went to 40 days uh, there right after he'd been baptized. Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 4. There, if you would, Matthew 4 and verse 4. And the Bible says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You say, Pastor, what's, what's going on? Jesus himself is being tempted. Look there in verse 3. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 3. The Bible says, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If. And you'll notice, and we don't really have the time to look at it, but every temptation that the devil came to Jesus with always started with an if. And so it was always an endeavor to plant doubt. And that's the way the devil works so often. Again, we're looking at the definite reality of temptation uh, you can let go of Matthew chapter 4, but look there if you would in James chapter 4. I know you're in the book of James. James chapter 4 and verse number 4. James chapter 4 and verse 4. Oh, preacher, why? Why should we expect temptation? Well, maybe this will help you to understand why. Uh, James 4 and verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, knowing not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God... Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you know this world and God are at odds? And the devil and God are at odds. And as soon as you take your place with God, 
immediately the enemy of God and the enemy of all that's good is going to set his sights on you. And that's exactly what we see, that this world and God are at enmity with each other. If you go forward just one more book to 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, Peter writing here to believers. And Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a, roarer, uh, sorry, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So again, if you're a Christian, you have an enemy. And that enemy's goal is to devour you. And you say, well, preacher, I just don't understand. It seems everywhere I turn, the devil is trying to mess me up. That's probably a good sign. That's a good sign that your life doesn't please him. It pleases God. I read this illustration about a young Christian, and he tried to be a witness to his boss. And he had told his boss, and he and his boss went hunting. And that young believer had been telling his unsaved boss that ever since he got saved, he was always being accosted with temptation. And he said, I'm constantly being tempted by the devil. He told that to his unsaved boss. And that boss didn't understand it. And he said, Sam, he said, you are a strange person. And he said, you claim to be a Christian, yet you're always struggling with temptation. And he said, I don't claim to be a Christian and the devil never tempts me. And that young Christian, he thought pretty quick, and he said, well, boss, he said, you know, we're out hunting. And he said, if both of us were to shoot a duck, and two ducks fall to the ground, and he said, one falls to the ground dead, and the other falls to the ground, but it's still flopping all around, he said, which of those two ducks are we going to race to get first? And he said, well, obviously the one that's flopping all around. He said, the other one is dead. It's not going anywhere. And that young Christian said, now, boss, he said, that's why the devil isn't bothering you at all. You're spiritually dead, and you're not going anywhere. And so, folks, if you uh, find that you're constantly fighting temptation, that's probably a pretty good sign. It's probably a pretty good sign that you're trying to get something done for God. And you say, preacher, I'm never tempted. Well, then maybe spiritually you're dead. I give you the first thing that we see is the definite reality of temptation. We know that Eve was tempted. The devil was interested in messing her life up. And we know that Potiphar's wife tried to tempt Joseph. And that's because Joseph had a good testimony. And Joseph's life was impeccable and he tried to serve God. And I say to you, if you are trying to serve God, then the devil has got you in the crosshairs and he wants to mess you up. Again, we, uh, we know that Peter, there as he warmed his hands by the fire, and those three different people came and said, aren't you one of his? And we know that Peter was tempted to deny Christ. And you say, well, what a, what a lousy character, what a louse, what a no good, what a zero, what a... Peter, within 50 days, was standing up there at the day of Pentecost, and he preached, and 3,000 people trusted Christ. Do you know, Peter wasn't the low-level Christian that sometimes we accuse him of. 
Peter had great possibility and great potential. And I say to you, if, if you're not really trying to do anything for God, then you won't be in the crosshairs. But if you're trying to do something for the Lord, then the devil is going to work over trying, trying to get you to fall. Again, we're looking this evening at the principle of temptation. And the very first thing is a definite reality of temptation. Can I give you a second thing? Look there again in James chapter 1. Again, that's before 1 Peter. James chapter 1. Look there in verse number 13. Again, if you would, James chapter 1 and verse 13. Again, it says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. And so not only do we learn in the verse that every person who walks this earth is going to be tempted, but you know the second thing that we learn from this verse is it's not God that's tempting them. Look again at the end of verse number 13. It says, God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So God's not in the business of trying to get his people to fail and to fall. And so you can't accuse God of being the one to orchestrate that in your life. It's the devil that's the one to orchestrate that in your life. God never tries to get somebody to do wrong. God never offers somebody a reward if they'll but do wrong. You know how very true it is to human nature that when we fall, we want to blame somebody. We know that uh, when Adam and Eve sinned and God came to Adam, he said, it's the woman. It's her fault. And when God came to the woman, the woman said, it's the serpent's fault. And it's just human nature to want to blame somebody. And yet, uh, it's, it's, in a way, Adam was blaming God. It's the woman, God, that thou gavest me. But you know, we can't blame God. He can't blame God and say it's God's reason that I fell and God could have kept me from it. And so if you're taking notes, we've already seen first a definite reality of temptation. But secondly, the divine impossibility of temptation. It's not God that's doing it. God may allow the devil to bring that in your life. But God has no interest in you falling and no interest in you failing. And as soon as I say that, somebody is bound to say, well, hold on a minute. Isn't there a verse in Genesis that talks about God tempting? Keep your hand in James. Look there, if you wouldn't, Genesis 22. Genesis chapter number 22. And that's why I was careful when I said the primary definition of the word tempt is to get somebody to do something wrong and offer them a reward for doing it. But look there in Genesis, if you would, Genesis chapter number, Genesis chapter number 22 and verse number one. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. I said, Pastor, I guess we found out you're wrong. Because here we find very clearly that God did tempt Abraham. I said, the 
primary definition of tempt is to get somebody to do wrong. But you know there is a secondary definition of the word tempt, and that secondary definition is the word test. And you know what God is doing here is test. And you say, well, preacher, it says tempt. Yeah, it means test. You say, but pastor, it says tempt. Now, if you've ever gone around and around with somebody that's convinced there are errors in the Bible, inevitably this verse will come up. You say, well, preacher, it says tempt. It means test. But pastor, it says tempt. The second definition of tempt is test. Now we're going to look at this in a minute. We see, well, how would you know that? Look there in Hebrews chapter 11. So you're keeping James 1 with one hand, and now Genesis 22 with a second hand, and with your third hand, Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11 is the New Testament commentary on the Old Testament passage. And so Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 17. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried. So Genesis used tempt. Hebrews used tried. There's no mistake. There's never any mistakes in a King James Bible. It's always true. It's always right. And so back there in Genesis chapter 22, when God was tempting Abraham, he was testing him. If I were to invent something, and I haven't, but if I were to invent some kind of machinery, before I would mass produce that machinery, I would run it through some tests, not hoping that my invented machinery would fail, but hoping that my invented machinery would pass, I'm testing it. I'm making sure it will hold up under the pressure. And what's happening in Genesis chapter 22 is God is testing Abraham. He's not hoping he'll fail. He's trusting he'll pass. And if you know the rest of Genesis 22, Indeed, that's what did happen to Abraham. We know that God never tempts someone with the purpose of getting them to fail. And that's why the cross-reference in Hebrews 11 helps us to understand which of the definitions for that word tempt were to use. I think one of the most familiar stories is Job. And we know that the Bible says that Job was an upright man, one that loved God, eschewed, he hated evil. And we know that the devil came to God, and God was bragging on Job. And God said, have you noticed my servant Job? And the devil said, yeah, I, I've noticed him. I imagine the devil had spent a lot of time noticing him. I imagine the devil had tried many a time to get Job to fall. Yeah, I've noticed him. But you know he only worships you because you bless him. And you take away his blessings, and he'll curse you to your face. You take away what he loves the most. And God says, I'll give you permission. God was not interested in Job failing, but God believed that Job would pass the test. Folks, maybe you right now in your life are in that kind of a test. 
Well, the devil wants you to fail and to flop and to fizzle out. God believes that you can make it. And so I say Job is the perfect example of that. You know, the Bible makes it clear that we cannot blame God when we sin. We cannot blame God when we're tempted. What God allows is always to build us up. And it's what the devil is trying to do, get us to fall. Before we get to the third thing, you can turn back to James. Again, chapter number one. Do you know what the Lord said when he walked on this earth? He said, the thief, and that's the devil. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So again, instead of looking to heaven, and saying, God, why would you do this to me? Why would you bring something in my path that's impossible to get over? God's not looking for you to fall. God believes that you can make it. But again, you place that casting vote. The third thing I see in James chapter 1, again, we've seen the definite reality of temptation We've seen the divine impossibility of temptation. God's not looking for you to fall. But then look at verse number 14. It says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And so again, we can't blame someone else. Society wants to blame others for why they do what's wrong. How many times do we hear someone saying, Well, my father was a derelict. And that's why I, you can't blame your father for the decisions that you make. Well, you know, my mother was abusive. And that's why, you know, my neighbor was harsh. My teacher was mean. There were bullies at the school. I'm not making light of any of those circumstances, but the, the decision of what you do is still totally in your hands. It was funny, I, I was at the bank yesterday, and, and uh, this is for free. You know how impossible it is to talk through that plastic? And you know what? I always did. Yeah, I need 200. She said something. What was that? <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you remember years ago. Now, this is years ago, folks. This is when I was like 12. Now, we watched Get Smart. And you remember Get Smart? Anyone remember the cone of silence? Remember that thing never worked? And Max would always go under and say, what was that, chief? And the chief would have to go, anyway, that's for free. <laughs> and I told the teller that. She laughed hysterically. She said, now I'll never be able to speak through this without thinking of the cone of silence. And I said, good. I said, so maybe you could get rid of these things. And what was so funny was I had gone to get some money orders for our missionaries and when I sat down, she, she pulled this thing and set it aside. I said, is this safe? She said, you know what's safe. I said, then why do we have them? And she said, you know why we have them. I said, no, I don't. I said, I'll carry it out for you if you'd like. You better not. There was, an, there was another program, and I'm not trying to bring up Hollywood. That's not my purpose. But there was another program called Flip Wilson. Anyone remember Flip Wilson? Flip Wilson had this little monologue. And this little monologue was about a woman named Geraldine who was always doing stuff that was wrong 
and she was always blaming the devil. And she'd always say, the devil made me do it. When she had an accident and her husband said, what happened? The devil made me do it. When she maxed out the credit card and shopping, the devil made me do it. You cannot blame the devil any more than you can blame God for the temptations that you succumb to. Look at verse 14 again. James chapter 1 and verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. The third thing that we notice in the text is the direct responsibility for temptation. And again, just as much as you can't blame the decisions of your life on what your dad did, your mom did, your neighbors did, your children did, your you can't blame anybody else but yourself. Because you have a choice of saying yes to temptation, and you have a choice of saying no to temptation. And I'm saying Satan does not have the power to make you do it. Now, he will suggest it, and he will uh, suggest that there will be a reward that will be worth it. But as much as you can't blame God, you also can't blame the devil. When Eve fell into the sin that she did, it says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took, it was all on her. Do you know we read about Achan? Remember that nation of Israel was told when you go into the first city of Jericho, none of it is yours. All of its gods, and folks, that's really a picture, if you would, of tithing. All of your income, the first of it, all belongs to God. And that's why some Christians, they can never get ahead of the eight ball, whatever that means. They can never get ahead of debt. They can never get ahead of the creditor knocking on their door because they are taking that first part that belongs to God. And Swiss bank account that can bail you out of enough trouble if you steal God's. That's for free. And so I'm saying to you that Joshua announced to those people nothing in that city of Jericho you can not. It's all God's. And you know, Achan went in there just like the rest of those Jewish soldiers. The Bible says when he finally had to fess up to what he had done, he said there in Joshua 7, verse 10, When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent. And folks, that's the craziest thing. He risked the lives of that whole nation because he saw something that wasn't his and he took it to his tent and he buried it. If he buried it, that means even he didn't enjoy it. And I'm saying to you folks, you can't blame God for the temptations that you are going through. You can't blame the devil. You can expect that's what he's gonna try to do in your life. You have to blame yourself. Now, if you are the cause and I am the cause to falling to temptation, 
You know what the answer is? Stay away from temptation. Heard about this guy that said he, get, he, tried to, he tried to get some help from a pastor. And he said, every time I walk down that street, I walk right beside a bar. And every time I walk by that bar, I look in that window. And every time I look in that bar window, I see people having such a great time. And he said, I just can't help it. But I go inside and I sit down with some of those people. And he said, it's not long before I'm drinking. And it's not long before I'm gambling. And it's not long before my pockets are empty because I've spent every last penny. I don't know what to do. <laughs> that pastor said, don't go down that street. And folks, that's so simple. But you know what Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 14, enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. And so whatever it is that you, Hebrews talked about, the sin that does so easily beset us, you've got one and I've got one. Whatever it is, don't go down that road. Don't go by that window. Don't open that door. Again, the third thing that we've learned about temptation is the direct responsibility for temptation. And the fault is always at our feet. I give you the last thing, James 1, verse 14. The Bible says, And every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed, and look at verse 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Could I give you finally the destination certainty of temptation? The destination certainty. You know, if you and I go down that road and we keep tripping up and we keep falling to the same thing, that verse 15 says it's eventually going to end in death. You know, someone said, uh, all of sin begins with a courtship. And when we think of courtship, we think of a young man and a young woman that are interested in each other, and that's the right kind of courtship. But you know, sin and temptation, they also work with a courtship. And that's sin that tries to lure, and it tries to put its best foot forward. It tries to get us to think, well, maybe this isn't really all that bad. A temptation always starts with a courtship. And from the courtship, it goes to a consent. It goes to the place where, well, that wouldn't be too bad. And after all, there's other Christians that are doing it. And so it goes from a courtship to a consent. Now, you've probably heard this before. While you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. I said, folks, whatever it is, whatever the same thing is, be, be, it a, be it a website, be it a book, be it a style of music, whatever it is, it starts with a lure and then it eventually gets to a consent. And that verse number 15 says eventually it ends in death. And you know, it never turned out to be quite as good as people at first thought. And I wonder, I wonder, and I speak to myself as much as you. What temptation are we courting? What temptation are we giving a second thought to? Do you know a wise Christian doesn't just look at a thing, how it shines, but he looks where that path is going to take him.
Bible says a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end there are the ways of death. Read about someone, they, they kind of describe temptation and eventual falling as a man that's walking along and dropping beans as he goes. And behind him there's a number of swine, pigs, that are eating these beans and following this trail of beans. And a city slicker knew nothing about pigs. Watched that for a while and he said, Sir, that is one strange way to feed your swine. And he said, I'm not feeding them. This is how I take them to the slaughterhouse. Whatever it is that looks appealing and yet you're your mind says it's not right. You are being led to the slaughterhouse. That prodigal son, he was led to the far country by a lot of empty promises. He wasn't there very long before he found the disaster. Yeah, I've read this, one of the largest freshwater turtles. It's called an alligator snapping turtle. And it's usually found in the southeastern United States. It's massive. They say it can weigh up to 250 pounds. And they're carnivorous. And while their diet's primarily fish, they have been known to eat anything that they can find in the water, sometimes even small alligators. And so this alligator snapping turtle relies on being deceitful. So what it does is it lies completely still on the floor of the lake, the bottom, or the floor of a river. And this giant turtle opens its mouth and it sticks its tongue out and it just sits there. On the end of that turtle's little tongue is a small, pink, worm-shaped end. And so as this turtle is sitting there completely still with its mouth open, it's wiggling its tongue. And it's pink. And so fish, as they come by and notice the wiggling, it looks like it's a worm. And the fish comes up thinking it's caught something. And it turns around being caught itself. Folks, that's temptation. And so whatever the devil is catching you with, is after I can quit it any time I want. One of these times, it's going to take you. That's the very best thing is, Lord, I keep falling to the same thing. Help me to have good sense to go another way to get away from this before it catches me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the principle of temptation. And Lord, there's not a person here that's not tempted. If Jesus Christ himself was tempted of the devil, and no one here is going to be exempt from it. Now, Lord, it's not God that's tempting us. God will test us. 
The Bible makes it clear that there's no temptation taken you, but such as is common a man, but God is faithful, will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, Lord, you won't even test us greater than we can bear. Lord, at the end of the day, if we fail and if we fall, that was our choice. Lord, what a poor choice, because at the end of it, it will destroy our testimony and our power with God and our influence with people. And it ultimately will end our life. Would you give us the victory over temptation? And Lord, for some Christian, for any one of us here, that seems to keep falling to the same thing, would you wisen us up and help us to make some tough choices before we're caught and before we're destroyed? Help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.